Hey, hey, everyone. Welcome to the Phil Dreisel Show. In this episode, we have Mary Ann Robb, who I am so excited to talk to. She is one of my favorite people on earth. Honestly, her and her husband, Andre, have just helped me so much in my journey and my process of um, deconstructing, growing in faith. They have modeled to me what it looks like to be just genuinely some of the most beautiful, loving, kind, and grace-filled people ever. So inquisitive, so excited to explore new possibilities and options and um, have such a beautiful way of putting things. Um, And so I'm really excited to talk to Marianne today. Um, We're going to be talking, I think, predominantly around um, an area that she's grown very fond of in the last few years, which is contemplative prayer, meditation and and contemplation. Um, And so I'm really excited to do that. Uh, I know a lot of you have a lot of questions about prayer and and uh, as you've developed and grown um in your deconstruction prayer has become a huge question mark in your life and so hoping that um this conversation with marianne becomes um something that can help you um and maybe give you some pointers in different ways to explore um connecting to the divine connecting to your to self connecting to the present moment anyway let's dive into the conversation with marianne how are you doing? It's great to see you. And it you. It feels like a long time. I can't even think since we last saw each other. Yeah, I was I was trying to think uh, because we've had a year now without traveling. Yeah. Um. So, and we saw and it would you. Would have been close to a year. Very briefly, yeah. Um, was, it, was it in well, M- we May that you were in the UK? Yeah, you were our place, our new place, right? Yeah. If you here. Yeah. So uh, that was a couple a of years ago now, probably. So. Was it? <laughs> I think it must be close, close to that. Because you usually do your UK blur. tour in the beginning of summer, end of spring. Is that right? Yeah, I think or so. Or summer, spring, I should say. Yeah, we, we have that. That has been the usual case. We have had the odd exception. But um, yeah. somehow well, over exception. the last years, we've managed to avoid winter. <laughs> yeah, well, that's and, the way to do it. Big time. Yeah. So for I think about six, five, six years, we didn't have any winter. Oh, and That's um, my dream. <laughs> and then we broke that little thing by Is going... Is a shock to, to your system this year then? It, it Yeah, <laughs> it was. We forgot that South Africa actually has a bit of a winter, you know. Yeah, we, yeah. We're under this little illusion that, I mean, our weather is generally a lot better than... Um, sure. ...what you have there, but uh, yeah, we, we've we've... Got a bit cold <laughs> this winter, <laughs> but oh, I think it was great. when were we? We were in um, Montana. Actually, we arrived in the UK first. Um, I'm trying to think when it was, and you were in the middle of winter, and it was a pretty bad one. And mm. we arrived from some ridiculous temperatures. You guys do do Celsius, eh? Yeah, 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 we do. We were in like 36 Celsius here, something like that. And then we arrived to the minuses and that was quite a shock to us. And then we were in Montana where it was just ridiculous. Yeah, a whole nother level. Ice was just melting. Yeah. Oh, God. (laughs) Thing is, so in somewhere like Montana, they're kind of braced for it. You know what I mean? Like they can cope with the cold. I feel like if we get particularly cold weather in the UK, no one really knows what to do. 
You know, like, it's like if it snows, just everyone's like, oh, we'll shut the airports. We'll just shut everything down. Like, let's just give up. And like, we that, remember that. So much we in the world in, doesn't do that. <laughs> I know. We lived in the UK for nine years and we, I mean, we loved it because, you know, like the kids were out and sure. home from school. But it's like, oh, their leaves on the railway line. Let's stop everything. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's so a weird, weird place, we the took, UK. We took great advantage of that, those home days in the snow. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's more of them up north. But then it, then we kind of roll with it up in Scotland a little bit better as well. We're kind of like, yeah. oh, it's snowing. Well, everyone knows how to drive in the snow. Everyone knows what to do and kind of gets on with it. Um, but yeah, it's like I, I was in California when I was at Bethel. So California, yeah. I think the second year it snowed for like one day. And it was the first time it had snowed in like, you know, <laughs> years, like in, in that area. Um, yes. And I think there was like, a quarter of an inch of snow. I mean, it was just like, you know, half a centimeter or something. And I, I personally, after like driving up my driveway and driving about, you know, half a mile up the road, I witnessed two accidents. And I was just like, you know what? I'm turning around. I just went straight home and I was like, I'm working from home today. I am not going anywhere with people like that, but they don't know how to, they don't know how to drive in the rain in California. And the Los Angeles (laughs) traffic, I mean, at the best of times, even without bad weather. Wow. I've, I've recorded my CD in, um, in LA and I had to kind of judge how to get across town. Um, Right. And I remember, just oh, being man. late for the recording on a, you know, on a couple of occasions yeah. because no matter how much planning went into it, there was something going it on. It always takes it. longer. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird city. I don't, I'm not a big fan of LA. It's just too much driving. Anywhere yeah. you live in LA, you just yeah. are going to be driving forever. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, good. How are you guys doing? You, you, you're holding up in the pandemic? We are. We are. We, um, it's been a very different time for us, obviously not traveling. Mm. Um, and but we've been really busy with stuff that we can't usually get to while we're on the move and we've developed some exciting course material and um we started a podcast and all sorts of things um you know well so it's been a productive time and you know there, there are many beautiful things about I think what what this time can teach us um, but we definitely miss the connection and, you know, we, we have so many friends all over the world and, mm. um, we, we miss, we miss that. So. Yeah, absolutely. The Zooms just don't cut it, do they? They're not the same. No, <laughs> want to touch. <laughs> I know. Hugs, hanging around, sharing drinks, laughing, you know, it's all. It's yeah. all subdued suddenly when it's on a screen, isn't it? It's just very, Andre very always laughs at me because he says, um, you know, this lockdown is really teaching me some boundaries because <laughs> because I just go in there, I just love uh, I hug and I, whatever, and sometimes I forget. And so I yeah, launch yeah. in and then you've got this awkward moment with people where they're like like half hug always yes. in. Yeah. <laughs> You suddenly realize why everyone's wearing a mask and you're like, oh yeah, we're not oh, yes. doing a hug thing or yeah. shaking hands or yeah. It's, I think as well, if you're I'm working learning. from home, like, you know, like you guys are, you know, your yeah. material, things like that, you're, you're working from the house. You're not going out anyway a lot of the time. Yeah. Um, and I find like that is the weird part for me is like we, we go out to socialize, but other than that, we work from home, both of us. Yes. We spend a lot of time at home. Um, you know, a lot of our hobbies are staying in, maybe have a few friends over, but generally we stay in, we play board games, we watch Netflix, we chill. Um, yeah. and 
suddenly there's a pandemic, but you can go two or three days working away and you go out to the shops and you're suddenly like, oh yeah, gosh, there's a global pandemic and everyone's like, you know, stressed out and oh gosh, I should probably be really stressed out right now. And it's an extraordinarily <laughs> privileged position to be in. You know, I mean, a lot of the world doesn't get that privilege yes. of not realizing there's a pandemic. Um, but it does throw me quite consistently. I kind of like just go, oh yeah, gosh, you there's remember. a huge yeah. thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's a weird, weird dynamic. Um, yeah, it's been a, a strange, strange year. <laughs> yeah. But I, I guess, I mean, you are like, to me, you and Andre are both like pictures of peace. And I'm sure that, uh, you would laugh at that, because uh, <laughs> everyone's always like, well, little do you know. But, um, yeah. you, you've always, um, exuded a peace uh, around you. When, when I'm around Aww. you, I feel more at peace. I feel more loved, full of joy, lots of things. But peace is something that you both seem to carry with you and it gets on me, uh, when I'm around. Aww. And I know that you have been cultivating a lot of that in your life as well. And so I'd love to yeah. talk about some of those things. I know you're doing the contemplative prayer. We could talk about a whole mm. bunch of different things, but I'd love to go into some of that stuff with you because I know that's something you're quite passionate about um, yeah. kind of a bit more meditation and, and it, being present yes it's interesting for I mean especially in the time we're in at the moment where everything is just about busyness um, mm-hmm. and um, and even with what's going on in the world you know whether you're busy outdoors or in a crowd you've got this bombardment of media and um, voices yeah. telling you what to think what to believe um, but maybe I should start the story um, back where I had these two kind of little secret desires and um, it was, um, I actually can't remember how many years ago, but um, I had these two desires and the, the reason for them was because of the busyness of our travels. I mean, you know, we were on mm. the road constantly for six, seven years um, with no home base, just traveling from one place to another. And I know many people have had, you know, a bit of experience in the traveling and traveling ministry, but it's quite something different when you have nowhere literally to return to and you are every few days in a new place, (laughs) new faces, a hundred different people every week. (laughs) And, um, and and something very different happens, you know, f- for the first couple of months because we, we encountered a, a lot of people who go, well, you know, travel is, what, your life sounds amazing. It's so exciting and it's mm. wonderful and it's adventurous. And, yes, you know, obviously it is an adventure and we make the most of it, but it's probably after the first, second or third month um, that the novelty of the traveling wore off and mm. – it is a means to get there, but it certainly um, was quite challenging for a time. Um, you know, when you've got these intercontinental flights, your body doesn't know whether it's day or night. You are with people 24-7. Um, and, I mean, my adrenaline was literally revving yeah, so high that it forgot yeah. how to switch off. Um, What's your personality type? Are you are you quite extroverted or introverted? Because I am an introvert and I listen to that. And I, I mean, I've traveled a lot, but I've always yeah. kind of had that like, okay, but I'm spacing these out. I'm always coming home and I spend, you know, a day just weeping in the corner, like with the, <laughs> letting that adrenaline like drain, you know, recharging, yes. sitting with a book or, you know, I, yeah. I come in the door and, you know, 
Tilly comes to meet me and I'm like, no, no more people. I love you, but give me no two more. minutes, just, just three <laughs> minutes in a room on my own somewhere. I've done airports, people's houses, p- meetings. It's just yes. so much. I'm kind of yeah. joking. Of course, I'm well, very excited to see Tilly. But like, yes. how, how did you, what's your personality type for that kind of stuff anyway? Do, do you thrive so around people? It's amazing. Or? I love people. I absolutely okay. thrive on, on people. And so I am a bit of an extrovert, but I learned so much about myself that mm. though I'm an extrovert, Introvert, I realized that I do not actually switch off if wow. I'm in company. Unless I'm on my own, I don't switch off, right. um, which was quite a dangerous place to be at that kind of adrenaline level. Yeah. But um, yeah, but so I, I, I realized that about myself. Though I love the people and I love the vibe, um, I really need time alone to just yeah. completely switch off. And the space to just <laughs> read. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, with, with with that, as I said, I had these two secret desires and I didn't even communicate with Andre with them. It was just kind of just there, secret desires, prayers, whatever you want to call them. And the one year we were actually on our way to, on another, I think, f- trip, um, we were going to Canada and then um, to the States and I think to the UK as well, into Europe. Um, and this was our first kind of point of call Mm. in Canada. We were in Toronto and it was so amazing because we met with, um, a pastor there who was hosting the meetings. Um, he wasn't actually, we hadn't ever met. And so these two things that I desired were one to really embark on a contemplative practice because in the busyness, you know, sometimes the easiest things to do are the things that we neglect because we don't place the same value upon them. Yeah. Um, and so the easiest things to do are often the most difficult to do. And, you know, people often say, yes, I, I want to embark on meditation. Let's get another book. We didn't want to, I didn't want to read another book on meditation. I didn't want to fill myself with more knowledge. Um, I really desire an embodied experience in life. I, I don't yeah. want to just grasp things mentally I want to get into the experience of it and so the one thing was a contemplative practice and I thought specifically in centering prayer I want to just do that and not just in theory I want to actually spend some time with someone who does it and let's go through it and the other thing was actually on the Enneagram which Mm. is um, you might know a little bit about and again, I, I, I felt I want to go into the narrative tradition, to storytelling, the way we tell our stories. And um, we arrive in Toronto. And as I say, these are unspoken desires. And the first person we meet, they're having a conversation and the topic Enneagram pops up. And so obviously my ears prick yeah, yeah. and it ends up, they have an Enneagram practitioner in their congregation who um, has a school and, you know, who, who is, who just wants to chat. And both Andrea and I went through, got ourselves typed with her and, um, and that coming weekend, and we never have weekends off because we're obviously busy with services and what have right. you. We, this gap opens in our schedule for the whole weekend. Like our first weekend there, it's ridiculous. Mm. And she says there's a course coming up and they, the, the pastor of the church wants to 
pay for you guys to go on it. And it's a whole weekend with Renee Rosario, who is one of the um, top uh, narrative tradition Enneagram teachers from Colorado. And she had taken the whole session. And how beautiful. Our whole theme for that trip was on story versus plan. You know, mm. we we often think that God sits with a plan for us and, you know, he's got this plan in the beginning and we need to just follow it. And if we deviate in any way, he kind of slaps us back and this is the plan. Um, whereas we know our lives are more stories and they unfold, they have twists and turns, they have surprises um, you know, a chapter of tragedy might have just happened, but the story's not over. Um, mm. And how beautiful to embark on this Enneagram journey where it's all about storytelling. And here's these panels yeah. telling their stories. And um, so that was the one beautiful thing, how that, that desire just kind of came, surprised me. And um, the next thing was, as I said, in meditation, contemplative, mm. and we drive down to our next um, host and we meet them and then we've got another hour in the car and I'm busy chatting to um, this, uh, our lovely friend, friends now, Sue, and asking about her life, what is she up to? And she says, you know, I'm, I teach the practice of centering prayer and I've led our whole congregation <laughs> through it and I've been teaching it for the last nine years and, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> and, so um, and she obviously just sensed the kind of interest in me and she was like, are you, I mean, would you, would, would you be, let me teach you? And I was like, yes. <laughs> and for that next week we were, it was just so beautiful to have this quiet. Um, and as I say, we never have weekends, weeks open yeah. like that. And to have um, somebody who really just oozed peace to, yeah. you know, take us through. And wow. so that's kind of how that journey started in finding a, 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 a daily practice. Um, we'd be meditating in various forms um, through the years. I know when you say the word meditation to many Christians, the, the shackles come up. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, just get over it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> because Trust me, after some meditation, you'll feel much better. <laughs> yes, be still and know that I'm God. Whatever, whatever you need to hear um, to understand right. that it's such a positive mm -hmm. practice. And, yeah. um, so yeah, how does, how, I mean, there's all sorts of different, um, terms that kind of get thrown around and different practices and different ways. Yes. I mean, even meditation is such a varied kind of world. So you can go into all kinds of different meditative practices, but how would you describe, cause you're talking specifically about centering prayer being this thing that you've really found a lot of help. Uh, and, yeah. and, and peace from how does that differ from um, other contemplative or meditative practices like what's unique about contemplative yeah, uh, centering prayer sorry that's such a good question Phil because um, you know it, there's so many different ways I mean you think of uh, a contemplative practice even the word contemplation gives an idea mm. of thinking yeah um and there are practices in which, you know, more discursive meditation where you will be focusing on a word or a sentence and really just going down, let that um, 
there's practices like Lectio Divino where you take the scriptures and you really meditate on them. Mm. Um, there are practices in which you maybe focus on a thing, maybe breath, and you focus on your breath and the, the in-breaths and the out-breaths. And, and so it is a focus and there's a specific goal to it. What I love about this practice of, you know, and you can call it anything you like, centering or I like to even mm. say the prayer of yes or yeah. the the time in which you are actually basically just consenting to be mm. um, and to, to tap into those rivers which are deeper than thoughts, deeper than words, deeper than even consciousness consciousness itself and to to sit with the abiding presence of God you mm. know we we live in a world or even in Christianity where we we think that prayer is words you know and we come with our lists and we come and we tell and we talk and we um and actually in the Aramaic language um prayer was more about listening Hmm. that's what it meant it was being open and listening and um and so and even in this practice it's not even that you are sitting and you you're waiting for the lord to speak some specific thing to you you're actually just sitting and being hmm. and you know it's difficult to actually explain to someone what happens in that time or how that makes any sense to just sit. Yeah. No, <laughs> just absolutely. Be. But we we are so true we are so conditioned to be in this this place where our thoughts are dictating the whole time. I mean you just think of it. Your thoughts are going 24-7. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, and you go down rabbit holes and you, that, that is what is dictating to us. Yeah. Um, these senses, you know, what we see, what we hear, um, what we do, everything is, to, is, is about this conversation that's going on. And sometimes it's incessant. Yeah. And people no, often really you know, will, will ask, you know, how can I still this? How can mm. I reach a place where, and when I say reach a place, I'm not talking about that this is some place that you need to reach. Um, I think even in our language, we, we're so conditioned to working or striving towards something. But mm. really, at the bottom of it, this is more about letting go. Mm. And as simple as that, it's letting go of the narrative, of the dialogue, um, and and sinking into a place of connection where, yeah. you know, I think a lot of people think, well, well, what the the nervousness to actually practice something like this is what what if I if I'm quiet, then I'm actually with myself and with my thoughts, yeah. and that's a scary thought because what it's will a- I find there? Yeah, and um, and so, yeah, it, that's that's why we've also been doing retreats. And mm. um, this year we've offered um, a, a contemplative practice on our online course, which is a new thing for us because um, I really enjoy the retreats because you can really absorb into actually doing it. Yeah. Um, whereas 
you know, I was a bit nervous. How is this going to work on an online platform? But it's been so precious. And once a week, mm-hmm. we would we meet with the students on Zoom. And um, so once they've gone through the lessons, um, then we we practice together. We just mm-hmm. we sit together and you know I follow them through, uh, lead them through a meditation, and um, yeah, and then we spend some time in silence. Yeah, I often say. I mean. Uh, I kind of alluded to it there, but I know for me, you put me in a room with nothing, nothing at all, empty. We've just done some decorating and redoing. So some rooms have been completely gutted out and there's just nothing in it. And you stand there and, and I don't think I could survive in that room for more than a few minutes. Most, most of the time, unless I was being really intentional (laughs) to be okay, like this, I'm going to turn this into some incredible meditative practice. Even then I'm a 10 seconds in, I'm a minute in and I'm going, oh, where did I put my phone? Or, oh, should I put that wash on? Or whatever it is, right? It's just, or or you just go, oh, remember that time when you were a kid and you said this and you were embarrassed (laughs) and you're like, oh, great, thanks. Good to bring that up. (laughs) Like we we just, as soon as we stop, our brain just doesn't stop. And and a lot of time we want something to busy our brain to to take it off of the turning inwards and suddenly yes. dealing with certain things that come up or whatever yeah. it is. I know I like to be busy because I don't like allowing myself to just sit. Um, yes. And I found a lot from meditative practice. It's not about quieting the brain um, or the thoughts. It's to me, it's about just observing them and letting them be Absolutely. and giving them space because actually most of the time I'm trying to drown that out. And actually yes. when I give it space, I just need to let it be once it just comes up and you go, Oh yeah. I yeah. I know I really thought about that. They process it. Okay, cool. And it and it's gone. It it moves yeah. on. But I don't we want to do that most and, of the time. <laughs> no, and we often try and combat thoughts with thoughts. You know, mm. we think I need to get rid yeah. of this thought. Or like you say, you sit in that room or you sit in meditation, suddenly you're thinking about everything. What the, what I ate for lunch and or even this meditation's not going so well. Or this mm. is going well. Yeah. Hey, oh, I'm, I'm big on this, that. Or- <laughs> I'm really big on that, right? They're like, you know, you follow like a Headspace app or something like that. And they're like, all right, now just breathe in and breathe out. I want you to count your breaths and restart every 10 breaths or something. So you don't make it about how high you get. I'm totally making it about how high I get because I never get to 10. Like I'm getting to two, maybe three. I'm like, oh, that was a good round. I got to four. Wait, I'm sorry. I'm thinking about now. I'm thinking about I got to four. And, you know, like, it's like yes. just count your breaths, Phil. Count your, nope, I'm off. I'm yeah. here. I'm there. It is such a like I, I just live in my brain and, and I'm yeah, sure that a lot yeah. of people do live in that space yeah um, and you, you yeah. you're not the only one I think it's we all understand that we all understand that place um and you know I, I've been amazed at how difficult it is for people to get into that place of silence because you know you had 20 minutes of silence and they go wow no I'm not going to make that 20 minutes um and it just shows you at 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 what <laughs> what space we've been at that that we we place such confidence in this dialogue and mm-hmm. in what's going on in in that cognitive way, and um, I mean maybe an example of um, we were in Florida the one year and we went with friends. They took took us out on this little boat. Um, on a river, but it was more like it's fed by hot springs. It's quite amazing. Oh, wow. The most clear, clear blue water. Mm. There were alligators and, um, you know. I was going to say, I, I'm not a big fan of going in water in Florida. That's not on my <laughs> list of things to do. 
But this was just too tempting. I mean, that water was just perfect. But before we went It'll in, actually, you for the, the alligators, right? Yeah, on the, the side, we noticed these snakes, which resembled <sighs> water moccasins, which are highly, you know, poisonous. But they were literally they're like they're like Whoa. a thigh, and it was a whole family of them. So I go to the, you know, the, the owners of this little place and say, you know, I just want to let you know there's a family of what looks like water moccasins. That they were. Oh, no, she said, those aren't water moccasins. They look like water moccasins, but they're harmless. And, um, and yeah, we know they're there. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. And um, off we go still into the, into the river. And at one point we actually jumped over the edge and I remember just sinking down into this clear water and landing on the riverbed and Phil's I'm getting anxious listening to this story, Mary. <laughs> and he's like, this is the wrong story to tell for, for a contemplative practice. <laughs> and actually sometimes people actually don't relate to that because they feel claustrophobic underwater. But okay, for the sake of the illustration, <laughs> I sank down and just sat at the bottom of the water and there was I remember thinking, sitting there and kind of like looking around, what a peaceful place it was. Mm. That there was just this stillness where I I just felt so present to what is, and um, you know, and then we then we surfaced again and went on, and I remember in in between like the pond weed, there were a few, a few alligators. But it was at some points where the pondweed was just so thick that you couldn't even see the water. And I think of a place, um, I think it's in um, Japan, I think it's called Aberdeen Harbour. Um, you might know of it where if you kind of take a, if you zoom out in a satellite or what have you, you can't see that there's actually a river because they've got these um, boats, these kind of shops on, right, the, okay. on the river. Yeah. What do you call them? Little... Um, any case, they're boats, and they're jam-packed together. It doesn't look like there's wow. river there. And um, if you had to take those boats and kind of just spread them apart a bit, what would emerge is the river underneath, um, and mm. that would emerge and you would see it. And I think in the same way, you know, you, you spoke about thoughts, and we often try and fight those thoughts or these but, but you don't fight thoughts. Thoughts are part of you. It's a natural part of your yeah. being and your existence. You wouldn't be if you if you didn't think. Um, and so it's not fighting against those thoughts. It's merely just, like you say, observing them and letting them be. Mm-hmm. And specifically in the practice of centering prayer, you would use what they call a sacred word. There's nothing sacred about the word. It's basically just this is this is a tool for you, almost like I like to picture it as a bookmark, because you've you've been in this place of still and you're suddenly aware of a thought. So it's just like putting the the book, you know, where the bookmark is, opening again. That's my spot. That's where I just carry on. And so it's just gently, almost like you would lay a feather. You just let that those thoughts pass by your stream mm. of consciousness. Because this deep place of inner awareness that we sink into, you can imagine then our thoughts and our being 
this consciousness that goes like the, the surface of the river that just ripples along the top. And, you know, there might be speedboats that go along the way or there might be whatever it is. Say you're a diver and you're down in the, in the bottom of the ocean and there might be a point where you see a flashy boat and you kind of come up, have a look, and you might jump on the boat and go off with it for a while. Um <laughs> But the idea, and so in this particular practice, is you have this word to just bring to mind, which just helps to let those thoughts go and for you right. to return. And that's the thing is that 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 word, um, you could use a breath or a glance, is just your return to that abiding presence mm. and your return to your original intention, which is just to be. Um, so it's not a practice that's goal orientated. You're not trying to get to a, a higher level of being, a higher level of, you know, there's no goal to it. It's specifically without goal. You, yeah. your, your only goal is to be present. Yeah. Um, and so that's very different from, and I think only once you start experiencing that form of silence, do you see the value of it? Because I think it's still, if you're not practicing it, it's still merged with how, how does this, is this just, you know, um, a way of dealing with thoughts or a way of having mm. a goal? For, you don't really observe its value until you jump in and just do it. And, yeah. um, and, wow. and obviously what's amazing from it is, you know, the fruit of a com contemplative practice will be seen in daily life. It's um, you're not your goal is not during that time or to see fruit during that time or this is a good meditation I've got goosebumps uh, whatever it's 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 purely to be but the fruit of it you will see in your daily life because mm. once that river is able to surface that that unconscious place which we we so often ignore. Um, can have a voice and can the conscious and the unconscious can, you know, have their merge and, and, and have um, the unconscious can have its say. And yeah, so we, we've seen amazing um, fruit and peace in the midst of circumstances. We live in a world of, much going on and yeah, <laughs> a lot of um, trials or, you know, just stuff happening and to, to access peace in that time that you can carry this peace with you. It's not just a goal to be in a 20-minute silence. It's to really live peace and yeah. in a peaceful way and in peace with your environment and with nature to stop fighting things, to stop fighting the stream of reality as it flows, but to actually just be with it. Yeah, I can see that in that. I mean, I am not the world's most dedicated um, practitioner of meditation, contemplation, yeah. any form of centering. Um, I'd like to be, but obviously I don't really want to be. Otherwise I would do it. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, it's like <laughs> at the end of the day, I don't really want to do it. Apparently I'd much rather watch Netflix or get busy with work or whatever else I end up doing. Um, 
but but in the seasons I have um established kind of some sort of meditative kind of yes. practice, um nothing profound. 10 minutes, maybe working up to yes. 20 minutes a day, just when I start my day or maybe in the middle of the day to have a bit of a break or whatever. That's what I've found is that um I'm the person that wants to make it a goal. I'm the person that wants to go, yes. all right, so I'm starting at level one meditation. How do I become a level two meditator? Like, you yes. know, I want to, I want to yeah. level up. I want to be a better meditator. I want to get to the goal of meditation nirvana. When do I become yes. Ramana Maharshi or whoever it is? You know, like, when do I become the next Ram Das? You know, whatever it is. Um, that's, I'm just so driven, right? And of course, of course, the answer to that is never with that mentality. You will never get there with that mentality. <laughs> that has to die. It's in letting go of that desire that yeah. you find it. Um, but what's interesting is there is a thing of, you don't even have to do it right. You don't even have yeah. to win or, or not think or, or whatever. Um, because you're building this practice of it's almost in a failure. And I think I, when last time I talked to you, I think we talked about this and, and I was asking yes. you about it and you said something really beautiful. I wonder if you could, you probably say it much better than me. Um, cause my memory is terrible, not as bad as my meditation practice, but it's up there. Um, <laughs> you mentioned something about how it was in the failure that you almost succeeded because it was an opportunity to come back. It was actually when you left that quiet place that actually you learned to come back and it was the learning to come back yeah. so important because that's what you're doing in your day-to-day -day life you're, yeah you're and I, think, I think you say that. it quite well but it, you know obviously if you at that point where you suddenly are aware of a thought mm. um you realize now you're thinking and you have yeah. the opportunity to return and so i remember um somebody used the illustration i think it was of uh, thomas keating used the illustration of doing one of these retreats and a precious nun came to her. I wish I could do an Irish accent because I'm sure she was Irish. <laughs> but that I probably sound I'll make them all sound Indian. Isn't it your your who who is it? Oh. You talk about somebody who always sounds Indian with their accent. That's my dad. Every yes. accent. He's like, I'll do a French accent and he sounds Indian. And then he'll do like a Jamaican accent. He still sounds Indian. I don't I don't know how he, he, he works with people from multiple cultures as well, which makes it more ridiculous. Like he it's, should have a, it's a an ear for it, but he has no <laughs> ear for accents. Apparently he just has a default one. <laughs> <laughs> but this, this Irish or Indian um, nun came to Thomas Keating and said, well, father, I, I'm just, I'm just failing at this practice because I've had like a 150 thoughts during that 20 minutes. Mm. Um, and he just, without missing a beat, smiled at her and said, how wonderful, 150 opportunities to return to God. And mm. that's just, for me, so beautiful because you cannot fail at this. Um, and if you're, you know, you may come to it even with a goal. I, I'm not sleeping well and I want to, you know, meditate. I, I, I'm, you, you may want it for a specific reason and that's fine. We all start with skew <laughs> motives yeah. but if we just get it wonderful because we we have an opportunity to to find our way and find mm. a way of um of connecting which is really at the end of the day that that is what you want to do you want to yeah. you want to become more aware i remember this beautiful poem um and i'm not going to give it any justice but it speaks about Oh, crystal waters, um, would you form 
the I that I have longed for and have known. Um, and it's kind of along that, that whole um, sense of, of, you know, the eye through which we see God is the same eye through which God sees us. It's the same eye. Um, and it's the same presence, you know, that you are just consenting to, consenting mm-hmm. to be with the one who knows you, who knows you in and out, who, um, and if you understand that, that your being in that place of silence is being with the one where there is no judgment. There isn't a, this is the wrong or right way to do things. This is just, oh my gosh, I get you (laughs) in your entirety. I get you in the entireness of your being. And that just brings me to the, the thought that, you know, many of the mystics have spoken about the language of God is silence. All else is translation. And sometimes misinterpretation mm-hmm. um, and if you see you know even right in the beginning over the chaos over the welter and waste God hovers the spirit hovers in this silent contemplation you mm. know how beautiful to have that picture that no matter how much chaos no matter how many thoughts no matter how, how what's going on in our lives or in our days God is so ready to just hover over that chaos in silence. And, you know, even that very thing of, you know, an expectation, because a lot of people will go, well, you know, in that time of my my 20 minutes of silence, well, you know, now the Lord is speaking to me and I saw this and I had this vision and whatever. And that is, that's wonderful. You know, I love mm-hmm. seeing things, having visions, hearing you know, um, the voice of God in my being. But during this time, it's just for you to be still, for heaven's sake. (laughs) You know, you've got 24 hours of a day, 20 minutes, 10 minutes. Take that time and just stop that narrative. And and so, you know, somebody who who teaches it, well, I think it was also Thomas Keating who said, "So, so what if, you know, an angel of the Lord appears to me during this time he said well well you say dearest one or whatever i'll be i'll be back after 20 minutes <laughs> you know that's um, funny and and i love that because you know i can go walking with andre in a forest and you know we can just kick about and kick the leaves together we don't have to say anything mm. i'm not waiting for him to speak He's not waiting for me. There's no expectation. I can just hang with him, kick about, and know that I have his full approval and attention. Mm. And, and so it is that place where there doesn't need to be words. There doesn't need to be a dialogue, um, but that you can just be and, yeah, and sink into it. Yeah. That's, that's beautiful. It's really beautiful. I love it. I, I think you talk about that just at the end, like this ability to just being here now mm. is enough. Just being and, and just being with ourself, um, with whatever animates oneself, whatever that is. People have different language for that. God's consciousness, you know, existence, whatever it is. Um, 
just being there, there's something so profoundly freeing about coming mm-hmm. to peace with that. You know, like I'm saying, like you sit in the empty room and you're just like, I feel a bit anxious. What am I going to do? I don't want to particularly yeah. have to explore my thoughts too much. It right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, what do you think it is that we're running from in those moments? What do you, what do you, what is it that stops us wanting to, to switch off? Like, do you have thoughts on that? Is that something you've come sure. across as you've looked at this and studied it? Yeah, and I suppose in a sense, and it can be different things to different people. Um, and I actually love the, you know, I, I, I embarked on the Enneagram journey and in a, I've for the last two years been involved in, with a wisdom school where um, we actually use contemplative practice as well as delving into the Enneagram, which maybe I can share a little bit about yeah, that. that'd be good. Um, you know, Enneagram, I know a lot of people are like, what is Enneagram? Weird word, weird diagram, you know. <laughs> but Enneagram, basically Ennea is nine and gram is like a diagram. It's a nine-pointed mm. diagram. And um, and what it is, is is, you know, that we have specific, each nine point represents a perspective in which, we deal with our world, which we relate to ourselves, which we relate to others and the rest of the world. And, um, you know, it, it, it aims, the benefit of it um, is not just sort of some other personality um, test, whatever, there are great personality tests around there. And it's nice to get to know, um, mm. you know, where, where you function, how you are. But I think what's so important is we all have a lens through which we view our world. We have a perspective. Yeah. Um, and that perspective is formed. We're not just given this plan and thrown into the world and here's the plan you need to follow. Um, we are given freedom to, to be. Um, mm. We are given possibilities of being. God is not standing with this exact determined plan and we just need to find it and follow it Um, but I believe that he has invited us to participate to co-create our our journeys and with him constantly drawing us and wooing us into a future of possibility that will blow our minds and whatever decisions we take wherever we go he is always opening up opportunities for us to find different ways of meaning and um, mm. different um, ways of loving and laughing. And, um, and so I digress. <laughs> That's it, good. It, when we, so there could be many different areas um, that we silence that unconscious voice, that unconscious place. And, and so when we approach it, we are so nervous of what is going to speak because we are so used to not listening mm. to this ourselves. And, um, you know, I know for myself as well, I, so my personality type, my, um, my default will be more other focused. I love, mm. you know, giving to others and attending to everyone else's needs but I wasn't as aware of my own needs. Hmm. And, and that can be a huge thing, you know, because 
you're living out there. And so when it came to a point where I asked myself the question, what do I desire? And bearing in mind that we had been traveling nonstop, we had, when you lose your stuff, we had, we, we packed everything into two suitcases, right. you lose your stuff, you lose your culture. Um, my kids were now, it was all, all at once. My kids were now at university and um, studying and uh, you suddenly start to question, well, who, I, who am I without all this? What what am I <laughs> without my stuff, without what I love doing? Um, and it's actually a profound place to be because you suddenly realize, you start to ask yourself, well, yeah, who am I? What do I desire? Mm. And where do those desires come from? What is informing my desires? And um, so all this can be an amazing journey into self-discovery and discovering those um those places and those things that prevent us from from engaging more wholly and mm. fully with life. Um, and so for me, one of those, I, I knew how to look after others, but I, I wasn't as aware of how to look after myself. Right. And so even this whole journey into um, a practice of silence was just a beautiful thing, tool for me, um, to actually spend time with myself mm. and um, and to just get to know those they, we all have an energy that's moving in a direction and um, and so th that'll be your perspective how you deal with the world and that could have been formed from from young where you you engage in the world in a certain way and from a certain perspective. And, you know, to, um, I'm, I'm trying to think where to, where to take it from here in terms of how, <laughs> how, um, how that perspective affects our relationships. It affects everything that we're busy with. Yeah, it does. And we, we often think, well, this is just the solid truth that I need to believe and, you know, get for myself. But you, you, <laughs> truth, truth is something that is there and it's, and mm. it's, you don't need to defend it. You don't need to fight it. But when you approach the world with a specific viewpoint, um, you can sometimes close yourself off from the possibilities that are out there and the possibilities of being. Um, so I, I've waffled a little bit, sorry, because no, your question really was, you know, what 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 is it that – that prevents us um, or, or scares us. And, and also maybe some of it is that people are scared if I just lose myself in this place, if I sink mm. down, that there's just nothingness, I'm just going to lose myself. Well, I think yeah. of Jesus' words, it's only when you lose yourself that you find a self that is really worth living. Yeah. Um, and in that process of letting go of just being, you will discover nothing less than the infinite generosity of God who is upholding and sustaining you in existence. You are held. There's no, there's no bottom to this God, but at the same time, there's this foundation of love that just holds us and supports us. Um, and there's no fear here. There's no fear in this place. 
But yeah, there's various things that that prevent us from from entering that place and from letting go. Yeah, no, we I like I to can be in control that. as well. <laughs> I love control; it's my favorite. I just absolutely love being in control. This is my personality type. If there's a personality type that just is in absolute control of I'm everything trying. and never loses control, that's my personality type. Uh, but you know, Till will laugh at me, but like genuinely, I live my life under the premise of am I going to remain in control and if not I don't want to do that <laughs> like <laughs> I, I'm constantly pushing myself and trying to break through that um but that is yeah. a big drive for me and it's a big drive for most people we want to be in control but I think you hit the nail on the head where it is it it's a death of self in a sense mm-hmm. isn't it in, mm-hmm. in that you know you look at you traveling like there was a death of so much of what could easily yeah. be someone's identity right I'm yes. a I'm a mom well yes. kind of but in a very different way now you know, yeah. and oh, I'm yeah. a homeowner. Well, not so much anymore. That's, and oh, yeah. I'm I'm a collection of all these different pieces and, and yes. materials or I'm a friend. And it's like, well, yeah, but again, like not in the same way. You're going to lose touch with your close, tight knit community you see regular. And now you're going to yes. be meeting people and seeing them once a year for a week at a time or like yeah. you're you're having to let go of so many things that, that really do form in one way or another who we are. Yeah. Um there's a letting go there. And even in meditation, there's, there's a beautiful contemplative practice um, that I try and do every now and again, um, which is to basically observe what is and recognize that that isn't you. And so you might look at your hand yes. and go, that's my hand, but I am not my hand, you know? Yes. And then you might kind of look a bit more at yourself and go, this is my body, but I'm not my body. And then you yeah. kind of go even deeper and you go, those are my thoughts, but, I'm not I'm my not, thoughts. Yeah. This and I is love my breath, this. but I'm not my breath. And and, and yes. you're literally allowing so much of what we are, I am that, to die. Yes. E- even yeah. in a very microscopic, kind of very loose kind and easy way. kind of concept. Yeah. Um, it makes me think of people that have done psychedelic trips. I don't know if you've done any of those yes. in the past, but I ha- had psychedelic trips and there is a very real, depending on different dosages and things that people experience and, and, mm. and things, there's a very real like, oh gosh, everything dies. You, you just, everything is gone and yes. there's nothing left. And yet, whilst Phil died, I'm still here. Yes. Still here. And this yeah. is who I am. Not just that body, All not that things. person yeah. that speaks to people online, not that person that's friends with Marianne, not that person that's yes. married to Till. Like Those are all Phil, but not Phil. There's something yeah. deeper going on. And I, and I love that meditation takes us into that practice. It, 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 it lets us almost not kill off, but allow those things that we're so attached to die. And I think that is something we're very scared to do because a lot of us, we're not ready to, to let yeah. those die. We really are those things still. It's a bit like the Richard Rohr two stages of life, you know, the first half and the second half. Yeah. Some of us like the first half. We want to stay in the first half. Don't yeah. make us go into the second half. <laughs> I like my story. I like my stuff. I like my relationships. Yeah. I like this fill I've made. Don't let this fill die. Um, and I think meditation is an in- invitation oh. to kind of move into that second stage. You know, it, it does involve death. Oh, sorry. Did I, did you lose oh, me for I lost a second there? You, I lost you, you there for up, a bit, Phil. You're back. So, yeah, I, I guess I'm just saying it's yeah. this, it's meditation, contemplation, centering ourselves. It's this invitation to, to die to self, to allow so much of our story to die. And that's a scary idea, a scary 
concept to me. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned such, I love the way you described that. It just so hit the nail on the head. But um, I loved your use of the word, those things that we attach to. And I think that is a big part of it is, and people want to know, why do you need to detach from these thoughts? These could be good thoughts. Mm. Why must I detach from them? Or, you know, these could be be good things. Um, but the detachment is because those thoughts, like if I had to say to you, okay, Phil, you imagine right now an orange, a lovely, juicy Florida orange. And you can imagine that right now. Could you tell me a little bit about the orange? It is orange in color. It's mm -hmm. got a nice kind of squidgy feel to it. If I rip it open, it's going to be juicy and sticky. It's going to oh. smell delicious. Yeah. <laughs> I'm there. Yum. <laughs> I feel like an orange. I now. want one. I want um, one. I want a mid-afternoon snack now. <laughs> <laughs> but in you describing that orange, is it an orange? Have you got that no. orange? No. Your 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 words and your description about mm. that orange are not the orange. No. Um, you're merely describing or pointing to an orange, however well you're doing it. And and so just, to, just the way you've said, you know, that we are not those things. Our ideas about ourselves are not ourselves. Mm. And our ideas about God are not God. Mm. Um, and we attach to those ideas because they, they give us, that they're important. You know, it's not that concepts and ideas are not important, but we attach to them in a way that we, we don't allow ourselves to see the fullness of what they point to. Mm. And just like in terms of, um, you know, the icon on your computer that, that when you click on it, it opens up to, to different, to an application that's much larger than that little symbol there. In the same way, if you want to see, get to the bottom of who you really, really, really are at your center, you will find that it is nothing less than the infinite generosity of God who's poured himself out into your existence, who is in every breath that you breathe, um, who is so expansive and so wide and so large and yet so intimately acquainted with us. And when we attach ourselves to one idea or concept, we, we make it, like Andre always describes an idol, we mm. we because we our gaze has hit that thing and has stayed there and has formed that. But yeah. we really want to gaze through. We want to we want to find that luminous seeing where we can observe things and we can observe our world and it will come alive. We can really be with the next person that we have a coffee with, not just, well, this isn't really part of the plan. This isn't, you know, this isn't really a huge crowd. I'm not really achieving my goal. We can actually be with them and not let our vision be any larger than that next person. We can give ourselves because the greatest gift you can give to anyone, to God, is your attention. And... Um, yeah. To just consent to be. Love that. That's really beautiful. <laughs> I, I, I'm really intrigued about your journey, man. Like because 
you talk of God in such a beautiful way. And a lot of people listening to this are, they're done with God. Some people have reimagined God. Some people are still kind of coming to terms with what do they think God is. They've grown up in a fundamental Christian home and, and they're not really happy with that, but they don't know what, where to take that. Like, what was, what has been your journey from growing up to getting to see God as such an expansive um, being that is beyond mm. our metaphors and our, our, our vain descriptions, <laughs> you know, like how, how did yeah. you navigate that? Cause that's for a lot of people, that's a, a very divergent position yeah. to hold to kind of a more kind of traditional conventional Christian kind of concept of God. Yes. And um, I suppose and, growing and that's up, why people who are Christians are scared of meditation and contemplation. There's a lot and, of that in there is yeah. we don't like an idea of a God that's bigger than our metaphor. We like the exactly. metaphor. <laughs> yeah, let's just keep it here because this is safe. And, and yeah, I mean, I, I grew up with, I didn't actually grow up in a very religious um, background. Um, my, my, my mom was seeking. My dad um, was not keen. He'd grown up in a missionary family, and um, mm. his father was actually a missionary with David Livingston and, and the boys. So to put it wow. in context, I was born when my dad was 60. Wow. So, um, and, and he had completely rebelled against that. So there was a lot of tension in the house with, you know, religious things. And, you know, what I knew about God was church on a Sunday I had, I lost my mom when I was 11. She passed away, um, cancer. And I remember even that year trying to navigate her loss um, and not really having an idea that I was held in a greater context um, mm -hmm. because the God I knew was from Sunday school and, you know, these random stories. And, and it was really a God that was outside there, somewhere else. Um, mm. watching us and waiting for us to go wrong so that, you know, right. he could keep us in line. Um, and it was about a year after she passed that um, I was sitting actually in a, I was away and um, they had formed a library in her name and they'd, show, they'd showed a video of it and I saw her picture again. And obviously the grief just, came up again and everyone had left and I was sitting on the stairs and I was observing this sunset and I just remember it was like it was like blank it was just so it was hollow it I, I couldn't feel its beauty I couldn't feel its mm. love and I was suddenly overwhelmed with grief and to such an extent I felt like something was throttling me physically wow. I couldn't breathe um and in that moment, I hear my mom's voice as clearly as I hear yours saying, she used to call me Melan. She said, Melan, I want you to listen now. I am so happy where I am. I am so at peace. And she said, now I want you to listen. Do not ever, ever let my death be an excuse for you not to live. Live. And in that moment, it was like the grief lifted. The sun streamed in. I remember feeling its warmth physically and feeling this expansiveness. And, you know, so I start with that, that picture. I still, at that stage, I didn't understand the full extent of what had happened in that moment. 
but I knew I had permission to live. Mm. And I didn't need for her death to define the rest of my life and my living and to realize that I carried her with me. And so God had allowed me that moment of, of just um, affirmation and to release me. I hadn't been allowed to go to her funeral, so I had no real closure. Mm. My dad thought he was protecting me, um, you know, at the age of 11. And, but the years that followed, you know, even though I didn't have really a relationship with God in any way, I know something had happened in that moment. I then had, had, had an encounter when I was 17 with Jesus and um, it was just, it was beyond what I understood or had a framework for. But then, you know, going even, getting involved in, in church and the whole thing kind of, and we've, we've heard many people speak about this, that they encountered this God who was just in their childhood that they could talk to, that was just mm. there. And then they almost had to go and get involved with religion <laughs> to be talked out of it, that suddenly they had mm. to accept Jesus as Lord in a specific way. They had to, you know, um, some sort of formula. Um, and I think we we so miss the God who just desires to encounter us and who is the very sustenance of our lives that we would not take a breath were it not given, that we are upheld by God. Um, and so to compartmentalize or have this God outside of us, um, it, I, I, I just... I don't know how to see that anymore. <laughs> right. And, um, you know, obviously our journey went along many forms as well, just discovering, you know, even because our, our Christian walk is so embedded with the biblical story. And if we understand the biblical story in a certain way, we that is the God we're going to worship. And when you let that story really come alive and you stop making it say or reading into it what you needed to say, you can actually start appreciating that these were human. This is a human drama. Yeah. These were humans writing about God, writing about their world. And in it and through it, we are able to find God in our journey Um and so also the, the work of Rene Girard as well was very helpful for us in unpacking, you know, even we are, we are all involved in myth-making. We tell our stories. And so he shed light on those myths and how those, those myths were developed almost to hide the violence and, um, and how the, the biblical narrative in, a, in an amazing way actually unveils and names it, calls it out, says, no, that's mm. what it is, and how this culminates in Jesus. And um, so there have been many things along the journey that have um, helped us and pointed us um, in a direction and understanding a God who is not um, sitting with a plan, sitting up there um, with this static blueprint, but a God who is involved in our mm. lives, who hovers over 
um, the messiness of our lives, if we if we learn anything from the incarnation, is, is that God desired to be human, to be in this existence, to be part of us, um, to to have the joy and the surprise of us even surprising God, of us partaking in this this journey that is real, that we really do have a choice, and we what we do and what we choose matters and it matters to God um and so yeah it's been it's been an, an interesting journey but it's we, it's like it's like the the Aslan story where um Lucy meets Aslan later on and says Aslan you you you've grown or you've got bigger and he's like no you've grown you know every year mm. that you grow you will see me bigger and um and so, yeah, what, what a what a joy to be on a journey. And I know, you know, when you go through a process of of deconstructing ideas, those like we said, those attachment to the ideas. If you're really serious about it, you will find you're not just rearranging ideas, but you, I know you've you've discovered this as well that you you start to unravel. Mm-hmm. You your very being starts to deconstruct. Yeah. Um, because everything that you maybe put a place to value of has has a different value now, and um, mm. so yeah, I think it's something that That's we beautiful. discover with our whole being. It's not just this deconstructing ideas and yeah. putting them on our shelves, um, but it's you lose yourself to find a more expansive self. Yeah, how did you navigate that personally? You know, like. Like your sacrament, so much of this, our concepts of gods, our, our, yeah, the language we use to describe God, to, to grapple with this concept, which everyone's mm. trying to do, right? We're all trying to figure it out. We all pick our language. We all pick our book. We pick yeah. our priest to follow, whatever it is. And we go, that's, that's what I'll do. Yes. That interweaves with who we are, our identities. Like you're saying, this this, there's an intrinsic kind of concept of the 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 nature of God that I create. It ultimately creates me. It, yes. it, it defines who I am. And so, as that concept of God starts to unravel, and and we start to see, gosh, there's a God that is bigger than that, or there maybe there's no God at all in this moment because I've not figured out the God that's bigger. I've just figured out that this small God isn't necessarily God. Yes. Um, and so, in that, we start to go, oh crap! Like, well, who am I? Or, or what's going on? Or am I wrong? Or you know, yeah. what do I do with the fact that there's a bigger, a bigger God? That's terrifying. Does that mean that um, Jews are safe too? <laughs> or the, the Hindus or, you know, these things that seem so big, maybe at certain times in our, in our fundamentalisms, in our, in our metaphor, mm-hmm. um, it can be really tumultuous. Um, was yeah. that something that you went through in this process? Was, was there like big ups and downs or was it quite an easy, no. enjoyable journey for you? The way you talk about it sounds so beautiful and fun and lovely. Um, but I know that's not everyone's experience for it to yeah. be just that. I know some people, it does feel like that. I know for me, I, mm. I mostly enjoyed my deconstruction. I'm a weirdo. Um, but I, I'm intrigued. Like, you know, you probably, it doesn't sound like you were going through a lot of this by the time you had your centering prayer practice, that was further down the road, it, you know, so you didn't have that concept of yeah. going into yourself, finding peace. And you actually, know, that was one of, of the things that actually led me there um, mm, because, okay. you know, um, 
and I went, I went through a really physical time as well where I didn't, um, I went through a time of sleeplessness. There was a, a physical period where a lot of this was happening, where, you know, ideas were challenged, but it was, like I said, interwoven with self, you know, yeah. um, who I was as well with the traveling was also changing, um, who, what I'd identified with. So, so there was a period where I, I felt like I had lost myself. Um, mm. And, but I remember consistently through that time, it's like I had to die to the ideas that I had. And I had to get to the point where I, I, I did, I faced death. I faced not being loved not being held I faced that and and kind of stared it in the face and go well what am I and who am I with if this is the case Mm. Um, and to take each scenario and then go you know what I am loved and Mm. I think the greatest comfort for me throughout has been whether whether what I believed or held onto was right or wrong was not where my faith or my confidence lay, Mm. but in the fact that I am loved and that I'm held. And so for me, that was the anchor, but I almost had to go through facing, well, what, what is it if I'm not, you know, to, Mm. to look, what, what is my thought about love even, you know, because I certainly love love. Um, but what is, what is love? And have I got an idea about love that is actually small? And can I look at that? And can I look at not being loved? And what, what does that look like? And, um, and to discover it all of, all through that, to realize that there was this hand holding me that um, in the depth of my being, and, and that was one of the reasons why I moved towards um, a practice of silence was, you know, to, to be in a habit while we on the move, while we racing from one place to another, where I could find um, a, a habit of, you know, there's certain habits. We, we often in the charismatic world, we shy away from habits or anything that v- vaguely sounds like a law or that I must do something. Um, and, but there are certain habits that are just really good, like, you like mm. brushing your teeth in the morning, you know, <laughs> it's beneficial for you and for everyone around you. Yeah. Um, it's a silly example, but, um, to find to find a place where I could actually be quiet and just be with God, mm. knowing that whatever my ideas were and whatever I, I attached um, value to, that that wasn't the most important thing, um, and mm. that I would find all of that, and I would find my way of being, and you know I found I, I, I some people. Th- kind of for me throw the baby out of the bathwater um and feel like you know they deconstruct and unravel to the point where they just don't find um anything and and everyone's on their own journey who knows yeah. how it will yeah. look for them in a year and how it will look we 
we are all on a very different journey and um, it's one in which I, I just I just know that <laughs> this God who is opening up infinite possibilities for us is standing in front of us and wooing us in whatever way, whatever way you feel drawn to more, to transcend the smallness of your thoughts or um, the the dialogue that is going on that is so div- divisive, um, mm. there is a greater voice and a greater drawing that's saying whatever and wherever you are at, um, there there are new possibilities of meaning for you and. This may not have looked like a fantastic year for you. For a lot of people, it's been a terrible year. Um, But I have a confidence that we will find that drawing and that we will find that voice, that still small voice that says to us, you know what? Through this all, you are held and you are loved and you are known. And for me, that, that, that speaks louder than whether I am theologically right, whether I've got all my ducks in a in a row. And I truly believe that if what you are busy with is helping you to love people more and to love mm-hmm. more, you busy with what Jesus was busy with. Yeah. But if you're busy with something that is causing enmity, it's causing strife, it's harming um, whatever your banner is, if your banner is evangelical Christianity or whether it's um, radical, whatever your banner is, if you are not walking in love, um, you're eating of the wrong fruit. Yeah. 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 And that's, it's funny to me, um, a lot of people that, that, talk about people that are deconstructing that are deconverting going through all sorts of different evolutions or devolutions of faith mm-hmm. um the narrative is generally speaking oh they've thrown god out they're they've, they're done with that they've, they've they've fallen away they've x y or z and and whilst maybe some do that yeah that's it's possible it, it's not impossible and, and there certainly yes. are people that fall into that category the vast majority of people are holding on to some sort of spirituality and in fact you know, just hearing what you're talking about, or I've talked to other atheists um, that have said similar things of, of going, oh yeah, I don't believe in God. But then they talk about what they do believe in. Yes. What do they believe in? They believe in love. They believe in being present. They believe yeah. in, um, you know, peace. They believe in joy. They believe in these these um, things that are animating and, and moving them um, forwards and creating these new realities and, and creating their own metaphor and myth to give meaning to this world. And I'm like, Oh, that's okay. You don't have to call it God. You know, yes. um, yeah. I talked to Stephen Mitchell, who, um, he's a, a well-known like Zen Buddhist. And I was asking yes. him like, cause he will use the term gods when talking to Christians. And I'm like, what do you mean though? Like what, when you say God and you're going, I'm going to use God for you. Yes. What does it mean to you that you can still be authentic and real saying that? And he's like, yeah, well, I don't believe in a person, a, a guy with a beard that's a God. He's like, for me, God is existence. It is reality. Whatever yes. reality is and whatever yes. reality becomes next, that is God. Um, yes. And I'm like, okay, yeah, I am that I am or, you know, whatever. <laughs> like I'm like, yeah, yes. I, I don't really see a, like, why Christians even should be bothered by that. 
But he's not yeah. calling himself a Christian, so we need to get our pitchforks out or whatever. Or, yes, um, yeah. And I'm just, it, it, it's when you get rid of these um, very black and white descriptors, these metaphors, these myths, mm. and, and we put them to the side and you go, okay, like, but what is God? What What is this thing? You go, gosh, we're all doing this together, really, you know? Atheist, yeah. Jew, agnostic, Hindu, Christian, we're all kind of wanting to move forward in love. I've not met anyone that's deconstructed atheist, agnostic, Christian, something else that hasn't become more loving. Mm. No one's become, uh, no one's deconstructed their Christian faith because they want to be less loving. It's usually because they want to become more loving and the the particular flavor of Christianity they've been exposed to and within, Mm -hmm. it's holding them back from being loving. Like yeah. you're talking about, it's a smaller notion of love, right? It's the Westboro Baptists going, oh, well, we're loving people. And it's like, I know you think you're loving people. And I'm sure <laughs> in some minute concept, <laughs> there might be some kind of love in there somewhere. Yeah. But it's a very limited concept. And I feel like you could grow in your understanding of what it looks like to love. Um, yeah. And so there's a, a point where, you know, you go, I'm going to have to leave this if I'm going to move forward in yeah. love. Um, yeah. And, and suddenly, you know, you when you... When you find love and you find that that God is so poured out into all existence, then you even start to look at nature in a different way. You start to look at people in a different way. You're no longer looking for boundaries or whether you're in or out or left or right. You, you're looking for where we can connect and, um, and you're acknowledging the life that is in them. And mm. I can't be in nature in the same way as I used to because I acknowledge God there. Um, yeah. You know, I think of that beautiful passage, Psalm 19, where it speaks about the heavens declare the glory of God. You know, the firmament, firmament um, explains him day by day, pours forth speech, night by night knowledge, you know, but you you don't hear their voice, you don't hear the speech, but the language is there, brings me back Mm. to the language of God is silence. Um, There is a language so beautiful and so pure and so full. I mean, it is alive. And we often think of something like silence and we think it's nothing. Mm -hmm. Silence has volume <laughs> it has substance and um and when you when you can attune to that you suddenly realize oh my gosh all of life is spiritual mm. everything belongs you know and i don't know i, I maybe sound sometimes like a bit um like uh, away with the fairies or like a hippie <laughs> child, but <laughs> I, I think I, um, I think the reality is that there there is nowhere we can go and nothing we can do that we are not sustained by the very creator of life and existence mm. and um, yeah and and Jesus so beautifully demonstrates that connection of our God, my God and your God, my father and your father. Mm. I'm going to prepare a place where I am, you may be also. This is not a geographical place, space, uh, culture, gender. 
in fact, he obliterates all those paradigms that we had and have and says what this thing is about is communion and relationship and you're in it. And, you know, um, yeah, it, it becomes exciting when you realize that the God of this universe, that this is a benevolent God who's for you. And, um, and, and yeah, what a, what, a, what a wonderful thing, you know, that the universe yeah. is not out to get you and <laughs> God's not out to get you. Um, you can just relax and chill, and whether you are think you're wrong or right, um, you are loved, mm. despite it. It's beautiful. I <laughs> absolutely love it. I love it. I'm I'm, I'm speechless. I'm <laughs> just enjoying <laughs> that. That is unusual for you, Phil. I know. If you cannot, you know, I admire <laughs> you. You have. I'm like yo. If I could just. You you are in, you are an incredible orator. And, oh, thank you yeah. very much. Well, coming from you, I mean, yeah, you uh, are a wordsmith uh, for sure. Mm. The, the way that you articulate is beautiful, and so, yeah, I mean, connecting with that is just it just sounds beautiful. You know, as I said earlier on, like the there's something about um, the way that you carry yourself, the way that you articulate what you believe and and how you live that is magnetic it draws me in i'm like yes i want that like you know i want to end this call and go and be contemplative i want to go and do some centering prayer you know That's awesome. um, i'll probably end up playing a video game or you know <laughs> i'll immediately start editing this podcast because that's really important or, you know? um, but no there is something so um beautiful and and, and it does draw us in and i think that's the the beauty as well of understanding this space where we are so interwoven and we are so interconnected. And if, if we have eyes to see, if we have ears to ear, hear, we go, yes, that's what I want. That's what I need. That's who I am. What you're describing, that's what's, if I can peel back the layers and have a look, that's what's there waiting for me. You know, it's, it's there all the time. Like you said, it's yes. the bookmark. You know, if, at any point I can turn to that page in the book and go, Oh yeah, here I am Ooh, present, yes. you know, uh, <laughs> yes. but I'd much rather be on the speedboat most of the time. Uh, so, <laughs> um, it's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful concept. I absolutely love it. Um, Marianne, I wonder, and you don't have to do this if you, if you're not interested or you don't think it would work, but I wonder, would you be up for maybe leading me and, and, in the future, people will be listening to watching this, hopefully, yeah. maybe in some form of short kind of contemplative practice. Is there something that you could lead us in that's whatever you think, five, ten minutes, something yes, like that? Yes, I could do. And, yeah. and just for the sake of this call, um, you know, I, I could just lead you in that just awareness, maybe a, mm. what do you think, five minutes? Sure. I mean, there's no limit to our, our podcast. We're, we're quite happy. Some, like somewhere between ten minutes is great. Yeah, if that okay. works. Okay. Um, so yeah. And um and then yeah, and I can just lead you maybe just I'll I'll prepare you first in terms of you know there might be people mm. out there who have never even sat still for a moment. Please and set, set kind a of bit don't of even a know, groundwork. You know <laughs> where this is going and so maybe just to prepare you in a sense because um when so I would speak of dropping your gaze you know, somebody might ask, well, what does that even mean? How do you drop mm. your gaze? How, where, where are you dropping your gaze? How does this work? Um, and so maybe together we can picture um, 
So you obviously in a room or wherever you are sitting, just focus your attention on the furthest place from you. So it might be a spot on the wall and just fix your attention to that wall in that space. And now place your attention to a spot in the middle of the floor, maybe. It's kind of midway between the wall and you. And now place your attention physically to your heart space. Right there, kind of in the middle of your chest. Okay, now close your eyes. Now the same thing, in your mind's eye, place your attention to that spot on the wall that you first looked at. So imagine yourself with your eyes closed, looking at that spot on the wall. And now place your attention to that same spot in the middle of the room on the floor. And now drop your attention inside to that heart space. And as you sit with that drop gaze, you might become conscious of your breath. Maybe conscious of your heartbeat because you think, Oh my goodness, is this going to work? <laughs> and I just invite you to just, as you breathe in, realize that you are breathing in the very love and affirmation and sense of belonging. in which you find yourself and you find your being. And without speaking the words out loud, just in your heart, if you can imagine, as this next breath enters your nostrils and travels down, as you breathe deeply in, imagine that you are breathing in the love of your Abba. And as the breath goes in, imagine God affirming you with I love you. And as your next breath goes out, you respond with I love you. And just for a minute, sit with that, breathing in, I love you. And breathing out your I love you back.
Now we're just going to start the 10 minutes of silence. And I want to encourage you that it's okay. You might find thoughts streaming at you. <laughs> just be gentle with those thoughts and be gentle with yourself. And just allow them to waft by. And if you do become aware of a thought, it can be with a glance or with a breath. Just come back to that place like the bookmark. To just be with the love that holds you.
as you quietly just come up from that place of quiet. Do you hear my voice? Just become conscious of your breath again. Gently open your eyes. That was wonderful. Thank you. I just realized I should have probably muted myself here. I'm going to mute the, the uh, I've got audio the on my side, so... The fridge going and <laughs> okay, no, it's fine. I can. I it, probably will mark the time and mute them on the recordings. So, but it's it's also you know even those kind of things. There's there's no distraction in this kind mm. of thing. Whether something sure. happens, whether it's thoughts, whether it's noises, yeah. all part of your beautiful world. Yeah, <laughs> I I remember listening to someone talk about meditation, and they said that the best place to meditate was a busy mall. Um, oh, wow, and yeah. uh, they said like if you can do it then there's nothing in your life really where you're not going to be able to go okay let me just take a second take a breath yes. be present yeah. find myself he says if you can do that in the middle of a mall he's like you'll be fine yeah. and so the, the noise of a fridge in the background that's going to throw you <laughs> yeah. you're still going to probably be wanting to practice some you know contemplation and uh, and I think thing. that yeah. that that just reminds me that you know that is the benefit of developing a practice where you spend time, whether it's first thing in the morning, find a time that suits you, um, because if it's there and it and it can become a habit, you can. That is what you take into the busy mall. Yeah, um, is that quiet? You can take yeah. that quiet into your into your everyday life, and then. You will be able to deal with distractions better. <laughs> and, yeah, I remember many times sitting in a car on the way to a meeting or in an aeroplane or at an airport and just um, being being there, but um, being in a in another place at the same time. <laughs> mm, gosh, I know I, I spent enough time in airports to know I would like to be somewhere else when I was there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. That's really yeah. great. Well, Mary, thank you so much. Honestly, this has been absolutely fantastic. You and Andre as well are, I mean, you're putting out phenomenal resources, amazing resources in schools, your podcasts, I mean, different things yeah. that you're doing. How can people be connected to you, get more of what you're about, you know, dive into some of your resources? Yes. Let us so, know how we can do that. Sure. Um, so uh, the main place you can go is to our website always loved l-o-v-e-d always loved dot net um so that's one place where you'll find um various resources whether it's articles our books um music cds um you can also connect through that to our online school we actually launching the new school we start every january it runs through january through um, the end of November 
And well, sorry, actually next year it's slightly different. We've actually condensed the material and packed it into a six-month, two six-month courses. Mm. Um, but if you go onto our website and you look for the online school there, um, it's called Mimesis Academy. And um, and there's two six-month courses available on that. And we've really found that that is a place where it's not just about the writing every week. It's about the community. And it's a kind of platform that's set up that everyone is able to engage with one another. So, you know, things, for instance, like people deconstructing and going through and having ideas challenged and feel like they're unraveling, they suddenly find themselves in a community where the conversation is so rich, there's no judgment, and you working through on the same page, even though you're different pages in your journey, yeah. um, there's a kind of a focus. And so that that's been a really – we've had beautiful – um, testimonies come out of that, which people can mm. see if they go to um, the website, um, Mimesis Academy, they will they will find that and the testimonials. And then our podcast, which we just launched, is called QYouraPodcast.com. So it stands for Questioning Your Answers podcast. And that's on all, you know, whether it be Apple, whatever your favorite platform is, you can find us there. Uh, at, yeah. QA and, podcast. And you're doing that with um, Anthony Bartlett and Jeff Turner, is that right? Jeff and Anthony are part of the, they're hosting with us. And so, that's awesome. um, yeah, so that's that's been a great collaboration. We look forward to many more conversations with them. And mm. obviously they've got guests that they're bringing on as well um they're both such Sorry. gems and such a wealth yeah of, absolutely of wisdom yeah gosh that's incredible and then as far as um people connecting with you personally social media and stuff do, do you yes. have a platform that you like to connect with people particularly ah yeah so facebook <laughs> facebook yeah. instagram um and and you'll find as well like for instance there the, the podcast has a page as well qa um, is on Facebook or else just Marianne Raber or Andre Raber. And um, we love to engage. Yeah. So we may awesome. not get back immediately, but we are always in conversation with people and, and love that kind of dialogue. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, I, I can uh, say without hesitation that you are people that I highly recommend being in conversation with. So oh, you have enriched so. my life. And, and Tilly told me I had to say hi as well. Um, and so I, oh. I need to make sure I get that in. Um, hi, she's Tilly. teaching right now. So <laughs> I should have probably poked her head in and said hello. Oh. Um, but yeah. She's no, such a gem. Really we love her. She's, she's and a good we love one. you, Phil. You, you are such a, a beautiful voice in, in especially, you know, in places where people are, navigating a journey which is not always easy um and it's wonderful that they can hear your voice the voice of reason <laughs> through it all so we yeah, appreciate well, i'm not sure you. about the voice of reason but it's, it's a voice <laughs> <laughs> if i'm out of my mind it's for the lord if i'm insane mind that's it's for it. you mm. it. <laughs> sometimes it's like oh no there's just one other person that's insane i yeah. at least i'm not alone phil's here with me as well <laughs> 
no absolutely yeah. great to have you honestly and um yeah give my love to andre as well um, will do sure thank you so need much to have him back on the show as well at some point and so yeah, oh, love you guys to. are the best i absolutely love you both um I'll, I'll let you know when this comes out obviously and um and okay sure great and, and i'm all the links to everything you've said will be in the show notes so people listening or watching can check that out and go follow Marianne, go check out their stuff, go join the school. I've done some of your school. I remember, I can't, was it, I think it was when me and Tilly just got married. You wow. guys asked if we wanted to do the school yeah. and we jumped on the school and I yes. think we did the first two months. In fact, no, it was right when we were about to get married and it was just like, we it just went crazy. Then, Aye, so, yeah. And so we, we dropped a few things in our lives. I stopped traveling um, and we stopped doing the school and we both were like, oh, we really want to go back and do the school. Um, and so who knows, maybe, oh. maybe at some point if people jump on, they'll, they'll find us there as well. Cause uh, that'll be really awesome. Anytime. You know, you're always it. welcome. And so yeah, no, <laughs> but I highly, highly recommend it. It was really, it was such a great format. Um, it's really enjoyable. Like having some structure to this grand exploration it feels like a you know it's just endless opportunity for exploration having some sort of funnel of like hey we've got something that we can kind of give you to go along on and what conclusions you draw don't have to be the same as anyone else in this but let's have that discussion and let's have that exploration together in in a few niche areas kind of going on some form of journey it's a beautiful uh, structure and I really enjoy it. Uh, the yeah, also, and we're the ones that it. feel so blessed because we get to, you know, be part of people's journey and, and uh, wow. And some of the things you just think, oh my gosh, it's no wonder we're a body and we need one another yeah. because we just see from different perspectives and mm, yeah, it's so, beautiful. so great. Yeah. Well, thank you for taking the time to share your perspective. Thank, thank you, you for taking the time Phil, to guide us in some centering and <laughs> hopefully some people have more of a taste of that as well. And, and hopefully people can see as well that that doesn't need to carry a particular flavor of faith or even a, yeah. a certainty of faith. You can be very uncertain, but one thing you can be certain is you are here. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, so at least we've got that. We can kind of fall back into um, yeah. whenever we want. Yeah. So no, thank you for that. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll, I'll speak to Pleasure. you again soon, yeah? Thanks, Phil. All right. Love That's you, Mary Catch you later. Bye-bye. All right. So that was Mary Ann Rob. I really hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. I'd encourage you, do check out um, Mary Ann on Facebook, on Instagram. On Instagram, she is Mary Ann Rob. I think she's Mary Ann Rob on Facebook as well. I'll put the links to those in the show notes. Um, check out the website alwaysloved.net um, as well as um, from there you'll be able to find out more about the Mimesis Academy that her and Andre run um, that's a fantastic um, well it's a six month program now there's two six month programs um, and also check out the podcast that she's doing uh, it is honestly fantastic uh, her, Andre, uh, Anthony Bartlett and um, Jeff Turner who's been on the podcast um absolutely amazing people really fascinating people um and it's called questioning your answers podcast and so you can find that q your a podcast.com um and so any good podcast will have that i'll, I'll put a link here below to the website and you can go from there um but do check out marianne's stuff um check out andre's stuff as well while you're there um send her a message shoot her shoot her a dm on instagram or, or message her on facebook and let her know that you listened to this that you loved it um i'm sure she'd be happy to answer questions if you've got questions or anything like that um 
Wonderful. As always, everyone, uh, if you are deconstructing and feel isolated and alone in that journey, you should check out the deconstructionnetwork.com. It's a great free resource to help you connect with people in your local area. And if you appreciate all the free stuff I'm doing, like the Deconstruction Network, the Grace Course, um, chatting with people for hours on end, these podcasts, um, you can support what I'm doing. I do it absolutely free, full time. And so I rely entirely on people becoming um, partners with what I'm doing, giving as little as $5 a month helps me pay the bills. Um, it also gives you access to a private discussion group where we have incredible conversations and um, a monthly Zoom call. And there's some other perks in there as well, like one-on-one Skypes and things throughout the year. Um, and so if you're interested in doing that, you can go to phildrysdale.com slash partner, or you can go to patreon.com slash phildrysdale. Um, either one of those is wonderful. Um, there's never any obligation or requirement to give. Everything will always remain free. But if you are able to give, it does make a huge difference. It helps me pay the bills. Um, and that's a huge deal. You know, it, it is um, a wonderful thing not to have to be thinking about money um, in day-to-day life. And so um, any help people can give means a great deal. And I appreciate you all. I appreciate Every one of you, even those that aren't able to give, I appreciate your attention. I appreciate you sharing your journey with me, um, going on this journey with me. Um, I love talking with you guys on Instagram. If you're on Instagram, please shoot me a DM. Tell me about your journey. I want to hear um, how you're doing. I want to be able to offer any support I can. Always here to talk um, if you need someone to talk to. I'm just Phil Drysdale on Instagram. You can find me easily enough. The links are in the show notes always. Anyway, that's enough from me. Um, But as I said, I'm here to chat throughout the week. I'll see you in the next episode on Thursday. I love every single one of you. Um, Thanks for your attention. Grace, peace, love to you all, my friends. Peace.